Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snudden. Uh, this week we are reviewing In the River um, by Jeremy Robert Johnson, which is the penultimate lazy fascist book. I don't think that I've ever thought, like, I don't want to talk about this book. Which is kind of weird because that's what we have to do tonight. But I'm just—that's what we did all summer. Not talk about this book. Yeah, and but I read a book this time, and I just don't know that I want to talk about it. At any rate, <clears throat> we're we're gonna try. Um, we're expecting a, a fairly short review on this one, so uh, uh, let me tell you a little bit about Jeremy Robert Johnson. He is the author of the critically acclaimed collection Entropy and Bloom, as well as the breakthrough cult novel Skullcrack City. His fiction has been acclaimed by the Washington Post and Publishers Weekly, authors such as David Wong and Jack Ketchum, and has appeared internationally in numerous anthologies and magazines. In 2008, he worked with the Mars Volta to tell the story behind their Grammy-winning album The Bedlam and Goliath. In 2010, he spoke about weirdness and metaphor as a survival tool at the Fractal 10 conference in Medellin, Colombia. Uh, in 2017, he was on the Booked podcast. Jeremy is at work on a host of new books for more information www.jeremyrobertjohnson.com.com. Usually we cut that part out, but uh, he threw our boy a bone by, by la- listing the the website. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I like him. He's you just had a good guy. rhythm. You were just you were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like Livia said, the book we're talking about tonight is uh, in the river. Uh, somehow the biography does not mention the the collection We Live Inside You, which we reviewed. Uh, I wanted to point that out. Um, you can go back and I think if you search our website for Jeremy Robert Johnson, that review will pop up. But anyway, tonight we're talking about In the River, and here is a very brief synopsis for this very brief book. An intensely moving tale of survival and madness along the river's edge. A father and son fishing lesson becomes a nightmarish voyage to the sea in this visionary testament to the lengths we will go for those we love. Sound familiar? The, the lengths we'll go for someone we love? Yeah, yeah. Made for love. Um, but in this book, yeah, we, uh, yeah we're, uh, it's uh, about a man who develops a relationship with a shark and not a dolphin. <laughs> Keep reading. Uh, yes, that is very true. It is definitely not a dolphin this time. Wow. It is not a dolphin. This book takes place in a, uh, nondescript part of the world at one point later on figure out that the the natives are are speaking spanish so uh, maybe south america i don't know maybe it wasn't even spanish maybe i just thought it looked like spanish but yeah it it really starts off um, and and we're gonna get a little spoilery because you almost have to the book's only 140 ish pages long and like the big catalyst for the book happens probably 10 12 pages in so as much as we don't want to spoil stuff outside of really the synopsis we're gonna have to here uh, a man who is known only as the man takes his son, who is known only as the child, um, and, and he's teaching him how, how to fish. And uh, through a variety of methods where they kind of like, um, I don't know, almost like dam fish in at one point, And then there's a bow and arrow fish hunting. And they use some leaves to slow down the fish. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of, um, you know, old timey or... Um, primitive, some primitive methods. Primitive, yeah. Primitive is probably a better word than old timey. Yeah. So using really primitive methods. So you're kind of set up in the fact that, you know, this isn't a kid sitting on the, the bank looking at his iPhone the, the whole time they're, they're fishing. No modern fishing equipment. Um, and then, uh, you know, things things go poorly. Yeah, so it's one of those, like, um, it's one of those setups. And we have to tell you what the... Uh, what the big shocker is in this in order to talk about the book at all. But um, 
it's one of those setups where the the father warns, you know, tells his sons about the dangers of fishing along the river, and um, his son, you know, understands them. But um, when when his dad's not looking, he's thirsty, and they had run out of water, so he drinks from the river, which makes him feel sluggish and, and semi paralyzed, probably from the leaves that they were using in the in the in the. I, I took it as the leaves. Did you do that? Was yes, that the same yeah, thing? absolutely. Yeah, yep. they were using these special leaves that, like, basically, like, it was like a drug kind of effect where, like, it either made the fish slow down or paralyze them to some degree. So anyway, he drank from the water and got affected by the leaves and was trying to um, hunt with a bow and arrow uh, because he did a good job fishing. He was rewarded with uh, the the possibility of hunting with the arrow. So, um, but then as as he was, you know out there doing it the the leaves kicked in and he kind of got got lost in the water and and his dad had to try and save him yeah and uh of course that is the that is the time where this kind of monstrous um shark river shark type animal um has uh has decided to strike and it uh it takes it takes the boy but it takes the boy kills the boy so that's that's really that's i don't know there's the big spoilers part of that is that yeah it it uh it kills the boy. So this is probably probably the saddest book we've read. I mean is that a fair statement? I mean we don't read a lot of stuff yeah. that's really sad. Yeah. So um you know I go back to like Matt Bell's short story collection. Yeah. I was going to mention that too. Um, this would have fit right in there. I mean obviously this this is the whole length of the whole collection, but yeah that that's the other thing that that came to mind that we read that was equally this sad. So the rest of the story really is this man over a period of a few days um, kind of trying to cope w- with the loss and, and trying to figure out the best way to, to I don't know, I mean, not make things right because that's not going to happen, but but how to how to conclude this. And, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. But really, you know, anything beyond what we've said is, is terribly spoilery. So, um, I, yeah, saddest, saddest shit I have read um, in, in a very, very long time. Story-wise, what happens after this is he goes through this kind of quick mental process of, like, what the hell am I going to do? And ends up deciding to, like, run away forever um, for reasons that, you know, we'll discover when you read the book. Um, And so it's the process of him and his journey to, like, inevitably where the book ends. And we see everything that goes on. But it's, it's all a reflection of, like, how horrible the loss of his son is. And how guilty he feels because it's the, I should have been there. I should have done this. I should have said more. I should have been, you know, paying attention, all those things. So like really this 140 pages is just an exercise in like, how does a parent deal with like the absolute worst thing that could happen to them? Yeah. And we're, yeah, it's funny you say, I mean, in the, in the back of my mind, I kind of got that that's what it's about, but um, the fact that it is set in a, yeah, not primitive. I mean, I guess the culture's there. So so the setup for the story is this. We, we're led to believe it's a modern-ish world because uh, the white man has put roads down, but those have been long, you know, kind of abandoned. So that whole area is back to, you know, tribal folks, I guess would be the best way I can say it, where, you know, you kind of live on your land and they live on their land and you, you don't cross over, you don't do anything. And this man, of course, winds up breaking all of these rules in his in his quest to, to come to terms and to, to deal with what's happened. 
But the interesting thing about uh, the way that it's written in the loss versus writing that story modern day, like, you know, me and the kid, we're out fishing on Lake Michigan on my, uh, you know, 27 foot yacht or whatever, you know what I mean? Is that you're taking completely away. He's, he's by himself for, uh, you know, although he encounters other people through the course of the story, he's, he's dealing with it internally. There's no social media um, for him to gain support from. There's no, you know what I mean? Like, it's literally just a person inside their head trying to deal with this with absolutely no external forces um, aiding aiding him in that. Because if, if this was a modern book, right, we'd see him talking to a psychiatrist about his feelings of guilt. And, you know, we'd see how his friends, um, you know, try to help him, but then eventually abandon him because, you know, he's, he's just shut down. You know what I mean? So it, it's really a very internalized struggle. For, for this guy and, and the, the somewhat primitive or um, off the beaten path setting helps ground that internal anguish. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> that's about it. Like I was like when, when Livius was, was kind of expressing his point, I was thinking of things that we could talk about um, that. And, and again, like, if we want to not spoil something in this book, that's like, there's only like two other things I could think of to even talk about maybe three and they all spoil things. So um probably we're going to cut it off. Um and, and even characters, like if you look at it, we've mentioned three out of the main four characters in the book, yeah, including the shark. Yeah. I do want to mention there, there is a little bit of a, um a perhaps a little bit of a supernatural element to it. Um, a little bit later yeah. in the book, but I think a lot of it is kind of, I don't know, allegory. I, I think that different people could could believe different things about how this book turns out or, or the, the, the path we travel during this book. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll throw it out here just randomly off the top of my head. It could just be the guy completely you know, disconnected and lost his mind when this happened. I mean, and you, because you read the book, maybe can understand what I'm saying. that We don't even know that yeah. anything else that happened in this book you know, it's real. Yeah, it That's not real. the way it's portrayed, but I could see where someone would read this and say, yeah, this is it would probably, and I'm not familiar with them. We could probably go through the seven steps of loss and I'll bet you we probably find them in here too. Yeah. Yeah. So the grieving process yep. is pretty much all represented. So, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Like Rob said, there's only, you know, four, you know, whatever you want to call them named characters. And, and there are a couple of other like encounters, um, but but nothing uh, nothing of note and and yeah really hard to talk about. Rob Messier said, "Well, this is gonna be a short review," and I was like, "Yeah, we can't talk about anything that happens in this book." <laughs> um, but but really, the the big thing is just it really makes you think about what would you do in that? Wh- how would you feel like? And as a reader, I almost felt like you know the obvious first reaction is like, "Calm down, dude. This is something that you could not have prevented." But I'm not a parent who just lost their child. If I was the parent who lost a child, it, there's almost no other reaction you would have unless you're some sort of weird sociopath who, and they tend to not have children very often unless they're the president of the United States. Um, so, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I um, we talked a little bit before this, and, and I know uh, Jeremy is a, is a father. And I, ah, it's so tough. Like I, I have a couple youngsters in my life. They are not my children. Um, and, and you know, in, in your mind, you, you, when you have someone that you're close to that's of a very young age, it's really hard not to. I don't want to say imagine yourself in that situation, but it starts to creep in a little bit here and there, uh, which can make it really, you know, um, 
I don't know, I guess really make it hit home, make it tough to read or whatever. But I can't imagine with Jeremy writing it. I, I don't know. He, he could have written this in a, and I'm not saying anything about his character. He could have banged this out in a very disconnected way where he's like, oh, I've got this story. It's going to be easy to tell. But I could also see the guy getting really, really sad being a father and then going on this journey with this character who loses his son through through totally fault of his own. I mean, that's, you know, he kind of should have watched the kid better. There's He should have brought more water. I mean, and the, the, the man goes through these different things that he could have, should have done differently. And there's like the after effect. We didn't mention it, but the man's married. So, you know, he, he has some <laughs> responsibility to the mother of the child, which, you know, obviously is, is secondary to the crushing loss of, of, of your child. But if it was just like, the, if this was like the road, like the man and the boy and that's it, and there's no one else to like, you know, go home and explain to what happened, <laughs> it, it becomes, I think, a little bit of a, of a different, of a different story. Yeah, just, it's just heavy, man. It's such a heavy Heavy thing, and and not in a way where I, I I wish I hadn't read it, but in a way where, man, it really makes you like it goes. It takes you to those places. He's like, you immediately compare what's going on in this book to your own life, whether it's like, well, I don't have a kid, so I don't understand, or there are like Livius, you know, you were saying there's kids in my life, so, ugh. um, but I, you know, and then you explore from there. Like I, I thought of a story where a friend of mine at a young age lost a sister in a, in a freak accident. And it's like, it took me back to that really chilling moment where he, he like told me and some friends, like what had happened. And there's just no, the other part of it is like, there's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can in that moment say, that's going to like make them feel any different. You just have to feel like the awfulness of it. Yep. And that's what this was. It was pretty goddamn awful. I, I will say this without spoiling anything. Like, this event happens very early on in the story. But then there's a part just, just you know, a little bit farther in the story when, when I thought, like, it couldn't get any worse. And I was like, God damn it, this just got worse. This just got fucking worse. You know, so Rob and I talked about it. I'm not going to talk about it here. and We're not going to go into a spoiler talk on this. But uh, I, I think Rob knows what I'm talking about. I'm like, how the fuck can this story get any worse? Oh, there it is. So, uh, yeah. I guess kudos yeah. to Twisted fucking Jeremy Robert Johnson, who has uh, put together, like, the saddest shit we've read in years easily. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, And in thinking of it now, it's like he plunged the knife into our guts on, like, page 10 or whatever, like you said. And he just kind of left it hanging there until, like, probably almost 80 percent into the book and then he just gave it a good wrenching uh, is pretty rough pretty pretty messed up so um this this book is not without its it's um uh i don't want to say gore horror it's horror it's def it, it's the worst kind of horror it's the horror you can feel you know what i mean like yeah. they're not just being chased around by a werewolf or you know whatever it's is this is uh a very real thing that could happen. I mean, I don't know about rivers and sharks and all that, but I mean, certainly you could transpose this to a variety of things that could happen to a, to a little one while they're in our care. Something to be said though. I, I believe if I remember this right, when we were interviewing Jeremy for uh, right after we live inside you uh, came out, he was talking about how he writes things that scare him. And I may have already mentioned this in the review because I know we talked about it before we went on on the mics. So I don't remember when I said it, but um, I can see this being. Well, you were mentioning he's a, he's a father and everything. 
Um, so how, I mean, I feel like if that's why or where this came from was like, Ooh, I, I, you know, you know, this is something I think of because I'm a parent. It lends such like, I don't, I don't want to say authenticity, but like gravity to the story in a way where, um, similarly, Stephen Graham Jones was talking about, uh, at least in my scars. And, um, that was, you know, like him thinking to himself, like, what would, you know, what's really scary to me or something like, I can't remember exactly, but similar thing. He wrote the thing that would scare him. And um, I feel like this was kind of similar with this book for Jeremy Robert Johnson. I have to agree. Um, I have a couple of quotes. Do you have any quotes? I, I do not. All right. I'm going to go through um, what I think for me were the two saddest um, quotes in the book. And that's all I'm going to do. Other things I have kind of just noted just to mention. But um, this is um, right after um, his son you know, disappears from the water. In seeing nothing, he knew at that moment that this was the death of his family entire, that he and his wife had time remaining, but no life to fill it with. Yeah. Yeah, that's some fucked up shit right there. And then the other one is, uh, I don't know, the other one, I don't I don't even know that it's it's a great quote, so much as that, like, it really affected me as, as he's, you know, kind of doing the, the internal dialogue of, if I'd done this, if I'd watched him closer, if I was stronger... And then the whole kind of thought trails off with, I did not love him enough. I failed. So, I mean, it's some, Yikes. yeah, it's some pretty hard hitting shit, uh, you know, to read. And I mean, you know, I have to imagine that that was his goal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think to myself, yeah. like, did I enjoy this, this story? No, I didn't fucking enjoy it. This was terrible to read. Does that mean it wasn't good? Uh, no, it was really good. I mean, I, I, that's that was the point of it. You know, I wasn't supposed to get a chuckle and feel good after I got done reading this this novella. It was it was supposed to be something really terrible, which is a tough thing to say because people go, "Oh, did you like the book?" And you know, my answer, no, I didn't like it. That doesn't mean it wasn't good. I just I didn't I didn't gain enjoyment from reading it. So there you have, I don't know, we consider that a wrap up or, or, or whatever, but I mean, it's well-written, super hard hitting, um, done really well, left enough left, I think, to the imagination that you kind of, as I mentioned earlier, kind of make your own thing out of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm just going to go get it. Can I just go ahead and give it my stars and, and do it done with this Do thing? it. Four and a half stars. I'm done. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, I'll make it quick too. Uh, in, in the spirit of the book, it, it it did exactly what it set out to do. And like Livia said, it's not something that's most supposed to make you feel good. And it definitely does not. Um, it's sad. It's incredibly sad. And it, and it, it evokes such specific deep emotions inside of you. Um, and so because of that, it, it's great. It's a great book. And I think Jeremy did a great job. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree four and a half stars. All right. Moving right along. <laughs> so so, yeah, let's talk about more. I just bit. I don't like I, like I said at the beginning of this thing. I don't want I don't want to talk about this book. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, let's see what else do we have. Um, I do want to note before we move move away from this that this is this like Livia said earlier, second to last lazy, lazy fascist book before lazy fascist shuts down. Uh, I just want to point out too that um, since we're on the topic of presses. Uh, shutting down 
Jeremy was also the head of Swallowdown Press, which um, shut down what a couple years ago now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the in the in the time since our podcast has begun, we're starting to see some titans fall in a way, which is uh, it's an interesting. We've seen little presses come and go, but I, I see Swallowdown was pretty significant, but Lazy Fascist was very significant to me, and I and it's it's tough to see that go. So, kind of crazy. I agree. Um, I mean, in Jeremy's case, to be honest, Jeremy's uh, star is uh, is is ever rising, and if he's going to focus on something, I, I I think the right thing is for him to focus on on his writing. Agreed. So, Absolutely. You know agree. what I mean? So yeah, you I see, mean, see kind of have both ways. Sometimes something goes away because something better is happening, or sometimes something just goes away because meh, it's done. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Definitely for for good reason for Swallowdown, for lazy fascists to you know it's true. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess while we're on uh, really sad news, I can't imagine that anybody uh, listening to this had uh, has not heard the news. But uh, uh, Booked would like to to take a moment to acknowledge that um, a, a comrade, if 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 nothing else, I don't know that I could say that he was a friend. I, I'd met him a couple of times, but uh, Kirk Claus passed um, this past week. Uh, he was a key figure at Lit Reactor. And uh, we're very, very sorry and sad to see him go. Just wanted to kind of acknowledge that here on the podcast. Like I said, this shouldn't be news for anybody who listens. I can't imagine you were able to avoid uh, avoid this over the past few days. Uh, yeah, um, it was a big shock because he's my age, same age as me. And, and um, it's not like there was any kind of big buildup to anything. It just it literally happened overnight. And so um, it. It, 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 yeah, and, and like you found out in a way where you know suddenly, um, on Facebook someone just says it, and then everybody's like, "What? What? What?" And and so it took a. I think it took a little while for it to set in for everybody, but um, uh, the man was just significant in the fact that he helped create Lit Reactor, which has been around almost exactly as long as Booked has, and um, really was kind of a home for. So many of the people that just kind of it's it, it had led a parallel life to ours, and so it's just really crazy to, to to hear the news. And I, I like Livius wasn't too close to him, but even only having met him a couple of times and communicated with him maybe online a few times, understood just what a what an amazingly good person he was. Um, incredible personality, always very positive, definitely super enthusiastic about everything, and just like it seemed like he's the kind of guy where anything he could do for you he would and so it just makes it that much more sad i haven't had a chance yet because i i think this posted um just earlier today but there's a a very nice uh tribute um to kirk claus over at lit reactor and it is a uh, a lot of people that are involved with that website kind of kind of you know reminiscing a little bit so i plan on reading that tonight after we're done with this i uh, i encourage everybody to go uh to go do that themselves Yep, absolutely. So, Kirk, you will be missed. Um, if anything comes up, like a, a special benefit or anything like that, obviously we'll make things known. But just like, just know that you know uh, a significant person was lost, and it's a uh, it's it's a big deal. And and I mean, we don't know his girlfriend or his family, but we know the Lit Reactor family, and we know how how much hard of a time it is for them. So, we're with you guys. Absolutely. 
Wow, uh, how to turn this around into, into something a little more upbeat now. Holy shit, thanks, Jared, and, and, and all the bad yeah. news of the world. And we're, we're not even going to get into what's going on like nationwide or worldwide. Rob and I were talking about it before the podcast. But yeah, oh, wow. It's been, yeah. A, it's been a rough week. Um, Annihilation is finally making it to the, the big screen. I shouldn't say finally. It's only been a couple of years since we read it, and that's about what movies take. But Natalie Portman... Uh, February 23rd, 2018, uh, Annihilation, we reviewed, it's got two years ago, right? Does that sound right? Yeah, it was, it was 2015. Um, yeah, the whole three books came out at the same time, and we reviewed it, and then we talked to uh, Jeff Vandermeer himself. So, yeah. uh, I think uh, maybe maybe Rob and I will do another movie review come February. Maybe we'll go catch that and uh, and talk about <laughs> it here. Uh, Did you catch the trailer for I, it? You know what? I didn't, and, and I tried. Uh, I don't understand the the internet websites on mobile that have videos embedded it's like the worst experience ever half the time they don't load and and whatever so i I saw it in a here's you know five movies we're excited about and and all the trailers were embedded so no i didn't but again on my list of things to do uh what do you think you saw the trailer clearly right it's interesting it's it's the thing i didn't like about it was the trailer was made in such a typical trailer fashion where it's like, you know, like it's building up the suspense and everything. But um, the thing that I did like about it was it definitely evoked images that were very, very similar to what I imagined when I was reading the book. And so that speaks to, A, the faithfulness that they have to the story, at least in, in my impression of what I saw already. Um, plus also like just how vivid the original writing was that it could be, you know, um, I guess so similarly depicted from two different people's imagination. Um, so I'm excited. I like Natalie Portman. Um, I think Oscar Isaac is also in it. And he, cause he's in every movie ever. I'm surprised Chris Pratt didn't make it into this. Um, and it looks, it looks interesting. I'm going to give the trailer a few more views, um, to really kind of form an opinion, but, um, hopefully they release more trailers. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a little surprised because, you know, we, we heard the news that was being made into a movie, you know, a while ago, but you, you hear that thing. And then sometimes like nothing ever comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, uh, I didn't give it much thought and stuff, but I, in the back of my mind, I, it, lots of movies get made, but there are the ones like, I didn't see this as a movie or something that would be pursued in Hollywood, you know, like a, like a big budget film. I, I, I don't know how well it's going to translate. To the screen, but to the type of people who pay to go to the movies. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't, when I read that book, my feeling wasn't, oh, this should be a movie. Yeah, he, I didn't at the time, but I, I, I get why it is. Oh, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just, I, I, I'm interested to see how it's received. Um, not just from a quality standpoint, but the type of story it is, like how well that's received. But uh, I do want to mention Patrick McGee, who is a, who is a listener, uh, messaged us. That's where I where I first um, saw that the the annihilation that the trailers uh, was out. So I said we we knew that it was going to be made into a movie, or we had heard that you know some time ago, a year ago, I don't know, maybe longer. But uh, hey, Patrick, thanks for letting us know. I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Um, similarly, if we're talking about books that we've reviewed that are being made into movies. Did you see what happened over on Frank Bill's website or uh, uh, Facebook page? No. He posted something about a day ago. Um, There's a picture of him and uh, 
some other dude named Tim Sutton, and it, and it says, Awesome lunch today with Donnybrook director Tim Sutton. True badass. Everything is coming together thanks to this man's belief in the material. Onward. Tim Sutton, you say. Let's look this cat up. Yeah, I looked All him right. up. Not okay. a big right. list of credits. Okay. That doesn't mean anything. He's though. got three directing credits, three writing credits, and two producing credits, and the directing and writing credits are for the same oh, thing. Donnybrook is listed on his IMDb page now. Nice. Very nice. Um, I got to tell you, that I could see. But you, you know what I mean? Like that story I could see as a movie. Back yeah, to what I said about Annihilation. I, that doesn't surprise me. That's great. Great news, but yeah. it, it's not surprising. Um, I, I watched a, a movie over the weekend. Um, uh, oh, yeah. did you? Uh, so, uh, Gerald's Game. Was it made in America? Oh, Gerald's Game. <laughs> the Stephen King novel turned a Netflix original film. Um, I didn't read Gerald's Game because the and at the time I was reading a lot of Stephen King around the time that that came out, but it just didn't the the, the story didn't you know the the synopsis didn't speak to me so I, I opted to skip it. And uh, so I put on this movie and I go all right well I haven't read the book I'm going to go ahead and watch this movie late on I don't know Saturday night I think it was. What a fucking piece of shit that movie was, just just <laughs> terrible. Now I I didn't read the source material so I don't know how true it is. All I can tell you is that it trucks along, you know, like just okay. Some parts I go, oh, that's that's kind of that's kind of gory or that's kind of good. And I think it to the end, this last like fifteen minutes of just complete and utter fucking nonsense. Now, don't get mad at me because if you read Gerald's game and you saw it, just understand I didn't. So maybe that whole ending makes a little more sense to you 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 know what i mean if you're really familiar with the source material you gotta take it from somebody who is not familiar with it that made absolutely no sense whatsoever and and really the ending was so bad it made the rest of the movie worse than it was like it it even dragged (laughs) down a movie that was just okay down because of a terrible (laughs) ending i was really mad after whatever 95 minutes or whatever I, i i put into that so <laughs> I watched like four episodes of an anime in that same amount of time and have been far less disappointed. That's all so, I'm saying. Can we talk about the absolute fucking glut of Stephen King adaptations that are happening now? Yeah, I don't know what. Jesus Christ. It's like, what was it? Was it it that just like busted open the floodgates? Um, well, no. I, I mean, yes, maybe the fact that they were making it into a movie, but the the first one to come out. Well, the first thing to come out was like a year ago, which was 102263. Am I saying that right? Uh, 112263. Yeah. Which was pretty good. I watched that. And again, not, not familiar with the source material, but I, I enjoyed it and I thought that was good. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, it probably seems like a lot, but you have to remember that you got Netflix and you got Hulu that are just buying up everything they can, every property they can. So I think that, you know. It's like a fucking arms race for content. But it's really what it is. You know, 1122 is a Hulu exclusive. Gerald's Game is a is a Netflix exclusive. Um, Gerald's Game shouldn't have been made. I'm just, I'm saying this. It just should not have been made into a movie because it's, it's terrible. 112263 as a miniseries was fine. I saw it. I liked it well enough. Um, I did not see be sad i did not see the dark tower but talk about something that got shit reviews oh yeah for having um you know probably two of two of the top actors in my opinion out there in in idris elba and uh matthew mcconaughey 
It's a great actor, so it had everything it needed, I mean, from an acting standpoint, and there's a great story behind it. Uh, you know, I'm going to catch it. I'm sure it's coming out on, on video here in a couple of weeks, but... Yeah, I think some of that has to do, because now there's another short story of Stephen King's that's coming out on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or, or like, Bob's video streaming service or, or whatever, because <laughs> everybody yeah. just just said, yeah, we'll, we'll buy up whatever we can, and Stephen King said, all right, here's some stuff. So, Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's fucked up, man. I, I, I mean, yeah, maybe it was the Dark Tower that started it. Um, but I, yeah, and then it came out shortly after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it Gerald's seems like, game. yeah, Gerald's game, and then there's an it too. You know, there's an it too. Well, yeah. So I, I know you don't know a lot about it, but um, <laughs> the, the the original book was done in a then and now um, yeah, alternating yeah. situation. Oh, right. right. So they yeah. broke it up into then and then now. Correct, yeah. So this first It movie was the then, the 27 years ago, and then the next movie will be the, the 27 years later, which would be I now. forgot. You did tell me. We talked about that, yeah. and I forgot, so that makes sense. So that was always the, the plan. I mean, if this thing really bombed, then they probably wouldn't have thrown money into a second one, but it did yeah. um, really, really well. So, of course, there will be the sequel. Yep. Ah, Stephen, not a bad time to be Stephen King. He He's writing stuff with his kids. Owen King or something was getting in on some sleepy thing or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, yeah. And I, I looked at it, I was like, oh, and then I looked, I was like, oh, this is 700 pages. Rob would kill me. Oh yeah. Fuck that. (laughs) That's, that was my, I I have to keep there, there, there are 700 page books in our future. I'm sure of it. That being said, I have to reserve that (laughs) for something really fucking special. (laughs) A big, a good payoff. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, thank thank Haruki Murakami for our reluctance to go into large books. Yeah, because that son of a bitch fucking ruined it. Well, and it's tough on on the weekly basis to you know to do that. You know, three hundred yeah. page book we we do okay with. Um, something double that, yeah, we would have to straddle it over a few weeks, and and that's just it. Just I don't know, it becomes tough. So, yeah, look, they can make everything into a movie because you don't have to watch all of them. That's the thing. Uh, so Netflix has been. Yeah, by and large, I think they've been received pretty well for their original content. Um, I have liked a lot of Hulu's original content. Um, I uh, almost done watching Harlots, which I liked on Hulu. I liked that eleven twenty two sixty three was pretty good. Uh, Freakish, um, I really enjoyed. I thought it was a lot of fun. So you know they've had good stuff. I don't have to talk about all the great stuff on Netflix because everyone knows about all the great stuff on Netflix. But this uh, all this money they've spent in this last year or so. I think that they're buying. I think we're going to see a decrease in overall quality when you look at the whole, because I think they're just buying whatever they can get. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. It's it's, um, it's reinforcing that kind of um, uh, hesitance in, in, in me where it's like, well, all the studios want to do is just, you know, like either reboot stuff or, you know, remake stuff from the 80s. Reboots and remakes is all it is. Um, and this is in that vein of like, you know, let's not. Let's not try to find the next Stranger Things. Let's just make a bunch of Stephen King stuff because we know it's going to make a lot of money, whether it's good or not. I felt that way for a really long time, and and you know my my uh, my affection for movies has kind of gone down the drain over the last few years. So yeah, 
we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like I said, the good news is you don't have to watch all of it. There's 10 times more content and you're still probably going to consume the exact same amount of stuff that you do now, but you just have to be more selective as the slush pile grows. That's right. And maybe I'll just hop in my blue BMW and drive (laughs) off into the sunset. All I know is you son of a bitch that whole time you were in fucking California. (laughs) I'm getting weird like Uber emails and it was all set up for me not to find out that you have taken all the money from the Patreon account. And throwing yeah. it into this fucking car. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> so for anybody who's not looking at our notes um, uh, and and maybe not friends with us, me uh, or Olivia's on Facebook, just a goofy thing that happened. Michael Paul Gonzalez, um, who, by the way, runs an awesome podcast called Larkspur Underground. There's a little plug there. You like that? I like that. Uh, I like. That. I think episode two's got to be dropping like tomorrow, maybe. Yeah, should be coming out. Um, he happened to be. He. It seems like he's just always just wandering around Los Angeles because like he'll just post a picture from somewhere, and like either a protest is going on or a movie's being filmed or like this you know really nice looking blue convertible BMW. It has a <laughs> license plate that says booked, and you know it's not ours because there's no period after the D. That's right, and yeah, uh, yeah I, can you? I mean, I guess if I had that plate, I would just, I would just go get like a sticker, right? Like a yeah, get a little that. yellow sticker, yeah. But now you got me thinking. <laughs> I wonder, is there a website where you can check and see if plates are available for you to purchase? Because goddamn it, I might buy the book plate for my car. <laughs> um, I think that you have to apply for vanity plates, and like you give. I think you give like several. Oh, see, I don't want to do that because I don't want to wind up with something weird like booked to like OU812 or some shit. <laughs> I had to make like five choices of. of... Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, there are any um, police officers listening um, to the state of Illinois that can look that up for me? It would be much appreciated. Yeah, you know what? Now I'm going to have to think about that. Uh... There might be someone I know that works for the Department of whatever it is, DMV. Yes, Department Secretary of Motor Secretary of State's office. Yep. Yeah, if you could find out, I'd totally be down to go ahead and get vanity booked plates. All right. Well, uh, more to come on that as as the the weeks <laughs> unfold. First, I'll have to remember to contact this person, uh-huh. and and um, then if they can help me, we'll we'll get back. We'll get back to you. Nice. Here's what's coming up now. Do you have anything else before I before I do this? Please go. All right. Here's what's coming up next week. We are going to review the co-authored Scott Free, um, written by Rob Hart and James Patterson. If you believe that kind of thing, uh, so we'll be reviewing Scott Free <laughs> here. That is one of the book shots uh, in that series, which is still going. It's got to be. It's like well over a year now, right? Since book yeah. shots started. Yep. Um, so that seems to be going strong. Uh, after that. Um, we will have the um, Jesse Lawrence's pick. What was that book called? I guess now is a good time to tell people in case they want to read along with, with oh. us. Give them yeah, it's uh, it's Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins. So I'm going to guess that this, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's probably not going to be as good as the only other book I've read with perfume in the title, which was Perfume. So I don't know. We'll um, see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the synopsis. Sure. This is me typing. Click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins. Uh, oh. oh, that's really not a good start. There's really bad, like, um, HTML. 
<laughs> in the in the synopsis on on Amazon, uh, three hundred fifty two pages. Jitterbug perfume uh, is an epic, which is to say, it begins in the forest of ancient Bohemia and doesn't conclude until nine o'clock tonight, Paris time. It's a saga as well. A saga must have a hero, and the hero of this one is a janitor with a missing bottle. The bottle is blue, very very old, and embossed with the image of a goat horned god. If the liquid in the bottle actually is the secret essence of the universe, as some folks seem to think, it had better be discovered soon because it is leaking and there is only a drop or two left. There you go. Well, we'll be uh, reviewing that with Jesse Lawrence uh, in two weeks. And then on the 21st of October, we will have a booked live Spooktacular, which has never happened before. We've had Spooktaculars. We've had booked lives. We've never had uh, we've never had that, and it'll be the first time that we're trying to do four people on video. So it's really a disaster waiting to happen. So you'll wanna you'll wanna tune in for that in the uh, late evening on the twenty first. Uh, time to be determined. That's right. Um, the only other thing that we have completely dedicated ourselves to so far is the upcoming. Uh, novel by Frank Bill, who we mentioned earlier, uh, called The Savage, but that doesn't release till the middle of November, so that one's a little far off in the distance. But uh, hey, this is what happens when we're not doing the lazy summer of podcasting. We actually like plan ahead and we have an idea and we follow through, so um, it'll be interesting. It will be, and then don't forget, uh, we will not have a Thanksgiving. Um, holiday special but there will be a christmas one so i, I felt like uh, i could hear the the sleigh bells the ching 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 when i was saying that um, <laughs> if i'm not too lazy i might put those under your which under your <laughs> which might uh in, will, will likely include a holiday gift exchange um and i don't know i mean i guess you guys got to let us know i, I had mentioned kind of off the cuff that that one might be a patreon exclusive um, so I guess uh, I guess we'll see if they, if there's a lot of demand if people are demanding to hear it then maybe that'll be uh, maybe that'll be for everybody if not you know the safe bet is just to go to Patreon.com/booked and, and uh, do, you know donate a dollar a month and you'll be assured to get all of those fine extra episodes and our spoiler talk don't wanna don't wanna leave that out that is correct so uh, Rob if there's nothing else do you have anything else. Uh, that's, I'm tapped out. Um, I know this seems like a short episode, but it was a short book that we didn't want to spoil. So, you can uh, thank, you can thank Jeremy yeah. Robert Johnson for the length of this episode. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you feel like you're, you're 15 minutes light, just, uh, see if he'll get on the phone with you for like 15 minutes or something like that. He probably would. At any rate. He probably would. <laughs> we'll be back next week with Scott free by Rob Hart. Until then I'm Livia Snedden. Now I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. <laughs>